I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because by talking about it, you're signaling to people who create media that they this is what the people want, right? Yeah. And therefore, not even out of the goodness of their heart, but just because they know you're going to pay for it, there will be more people who are going to make that kind of media. Welcome back to I'm the Villain. We're going to be talking about Hamilton. That's basically all I know. Okay, tell me what your what your Hamilton spiel is. My Hamilton spiel. So I saw Hamilton for the first time on Friday. Oh, you did? Because it's yeah. now out on what? Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Okay. Yeah. You have Disney Plus? Yeah, it came free with my um with my unlimited data plan with Verizon. Wow. Okay. Which is really really weird. I had no idea and then they were like you get free Disney Plus for a year. Dude, all of these little, like, you know, all these companies making these, like, little contracts with each other where you just, like, you know, have all these partnerships going on. Yeah. And you just have to, like, create the best net of different, you know, services that you use. Like, oh, Amazon Prime gets me, like, this thing. And then I can, like, you know, use my friends, like, Netflix and get that thing. Like, whatever, you know? Yeah. And I guess Hulu, Hulu and Spotify have a thing together. I don't know. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, have you seen Hamilton? No, I haven't. Um, do you like musicals? I do. Yeah. Okay. Then I think you'd like Hamilton. I I didn't like. I don't like musicals t- typically. Oh, okay. Um, I did watched you like this. this one. Um, yeah, I did. Okay. I like. I thought it was, uh, at times very good and at times super bad. Really. But, like, netted out to, um, netted out to pretty good. I think. Um, mm-hmm. there's there are some bops in terms of songs. Yeah. Um, but we I watched it because my girl is a closet Hamilton fan, and I didn't know. Oh, okay. She was like, hey, do you want to watch Hamilton? <laughs> and I was like, oh, uh, yeah, sure. Like, you know, that'd be fun, I guess. And then, like, we turned it on, and she, like, knows the words to every song. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, so you fuck with Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so we watched it, and um, on my own, I was like, I was thinking about sort of like the motif of the play, which is like, it's a play about it's Alexander Hamilton where like the music is all like hip hop and R and B inspired. And, um, and like people of color play the roles of like, you know, the founding fathers and other historical figures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- I already, like, was thinking to myself, like, huh, I really don't feel like this is going to, like, play out super well in the sort of, like, social environment that we're in now. Why? Um, I'll tell you why. I thought that, so I, I still don't know where I stand on this. I think it's weird, like, it's, it's a weird feel, and I, it's hard to place your finger on why, um, to have, like, people of color play people that like would have been owning slaves at the time mm-hmm. you know well why um, did he make that choice do you know um from what i've gathered uh lynn manuel miranda uh like is and was a really big fan of like hip-hop and r&b okay and he is a like pretty like light-skinned puerto rican dude but like yeah. um um for context but he yeah he's a big fan of hip-hop and r&b and he like i guess he read hamilton's like memoir Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think A, he saw a lot, he saw a lot of himself in the story. Yeah. And but B, he was you know Hamilton's story, to give him credit, is very different from like your typical founding father. Yeah. Um, and he was like you know Hamilton's story is actually very like very concurrent with like thematically with where like what hip-hop is about you know it's about this guy that like was born and like he was like kind of an orphan because like one of his parents was dead and one of his parents left him and he was born in like a pretty poor area he was born on on saint croix in the mediterranean like on an island yeah and mediterranean you mean the caribbean yeah sorry the caribbean yeah and then and then like made his way to the u.s and like ended up you know secretary of treasury because he was like a an upstart charismatic whatever guy um and so i think i think that was why which is also a very american dream type of story right it is very it is a very american dream kind of type of story it's very much like a like it's it's very much a, a bootstrappy story, right? Like, it's not like oh, all of these people just were the landed gentry of the time, and they just happened to like you know take over after the revolution. Who knew, right? Yeah, yeah. The thing is that, like I said, that story is very unique amongst the founding fathers, right? Most of them were born into rich families, you know, born into slave owning families, born into like families that had wealth. Yeah. And Hamilton was very much not that. Mm-hmm. Um. In fact, he like you know he made his way with this pen. Mm-hmm. He wrote himself out of it, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so I, um, and I was privy to this like this very kind of like progressive narrative that media has some kind of responsibility or role to play in how they like depict the past, especially as it relates to like slavery and the, the oppression of people of color. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about all that stuff pretty independently, and my partner and I were talking about that. And then um, when Hamilton came out and the internet was talking about it again, um, Twitter started talking about, like, these racial sort of ramifications of Hamilton. Yeah. Um, and um, ranging from, you know, I think pretty on the face reasonable claims that like you know like at the very least we should be asking ourselves we you know why like what it means to have all these characters depicted by people of color why wasn't slavery talked about more in hamilton and i can i can provide background later on like how much slavery was talked about in hamilton because it is mentioned but not frequently okay Uh, um and so like that's like on the low end on like the reasonable end of criticism and and what I feel is on, like, the unreasonable end of criticism, which is, like, Hamilton is, like, imperialist propaganda. Like, and it's, like, and yeah. it makes you, like, it humanizes these, like, terrible people that, like, in this terrible time that doesn't deserve to be humanized. Well, that's that's a really, yeah, big statement to make. Something doesn't deserve to be humanized. <laughs> Right. Or that, like, or like, or that, like, the story doesn't deserve to be told. You know. I yeah that that any any kind of statement like that seems unreasonable to me. <laughs> right? I agree, uh, and because I, and like, you... also like if who are that's not just I mean like literally like 
what are you going to do about it? Even if you think that, like, I, and so obviously I agree. Um, but, and then, and then all of this was happening very much in conjunction with the 4th of July. Yeah. Right. And Wait, all of this, meaning this Twitter conversation. Yeah. And like me thinking about it, okay. like this is all last weekend mm-hmm. and, and then it's 4th of July. And then like, it's actually, it was like actually a while to me, the parallels and like, People are talking about Hamilton and like the same, like in pretty much the same way that people are talking about the 4th of July, which is like, you know, we shouldn't be celebrating this holiday that like promotes like imperialism and or like we shouldn't be celebra- celebrating our country during this like very tumultuous time. Hmm. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and so like that really got me thinking about um, the media's role in like portrayals of you know past times and why you know we've talked about on this podcast before like how movements aren't very like you know not not very privy to nuance Mm -hmm. um but you know is it every media's responsibility to tell the quote-unquote entire story you know well that's to what degree can anyone truly know the entire story Right? Yeah. Like, when I was in my very first class of high school, it was like a history class, and we read this New York, this New Yorker article about um, all this dispute over what, like, Abraham Lincoln's last words were, right? And everyone, <laughs> there's all these different people who have all these different accounts of what his last words were, right? Uh-huh. And, like, it's sort of a question of maybe three different people all have three different accounts of what he said. And, like, you have no way of knowing which of them are, quote-unquote, right, right? Right. And it's almost a question of, like, do we, does it matter? Like, do we care that, um, like, what he actually said? Or, I mean, like, every single thing is filtered through the lens, like, everything we read in history is, th- is through the lens of so many different people. And yeah. often the people who have the time and money to write history books and like even just <laughs> whatever journals of things that we that, you know, like basically first person source material for us to then mm. go back as we're as we're studying history. Right. I think we just have far more access to people who are likely to be well off because that's the throughout history. Those are the people who are more literate. Those are the people who have access to education, like all of these things, right? Yeah, we're just they're, like, they're the, people that get like to write the stories. Naturally, going to get those narratives more than we are going to get the narratives of, say, slaves. Yeah, for right? sure. Um, but do you think it's like, do you think it's a misstep on Hamilton's part to, for example, I'll I'll give I'll give some examples, right? So, I don't think well, Hamilton didn't own slaves himself. Okay. Um, he never had enough money. Like, wasn't really involved in like the you know, he wasn't in like the agriculture yeah you know he wasn't into that shit yeah um but um there are depictions of other people that we do that we do know didn't own slaves yeah um like thomas Thomas jefferson Jefferson. yeah um uh homeboy madison i think james madison or john madison i can't remember his first name james madison and george washington yeah right um and i think that all of those characters, except for George Washington, were depicted in a pretty nuanced light. I think that Thomas Jefferson was damn near like an antagonist in the play. Yeah. But um, 
I look I look mainly at the, the depiction of George Washington, which is very much like this kind of like wise sage like mentor to Alexander Hamilton, who like you know led the country to a win in the Revolutionary War, um, and you know left the left the country's uh, newly formed government with some some pretty sensible sounding directives about like neutrality and avoiding bipartisanship and shit like that, right? Yeah, and all those things are true. Um, at least to what I know of George or George, or George Washington, but nothing was said in the play about George Washington owning slaves, um, because it wasn't. I mean, like, and maybe this is a. I don't know if this is like a problematic controversial statement, but it wasn't like directly relevant to the plot. It wasn't about that. That's not really what Hamilton yeah. is about, right? It's not. It's not what it's about. But do you think that, like, by nature of Hamilton taking place where it took, like, in the time place that it took place? In, in the setting that it took place in, like, do you think that it was the plays or that the play misstepped by not including that kind of thing? Well, is it the idea that it's basically from the point of view of Alexander Hamilton? Because, like, if he himself didn't own slaves and it's all just, like, you know, about the kind of stuff that's important to him, then I don't think that that's, you know, as in terms of it being a cohesive piece that's trying to yeah. be realistic, if he didn't really think about slaves and didn't own slaves, then I don't see why someone should be obligated to include that. Yeah, I, I'll give you, a, a, like, a slight overview of, like, the play's, like, yeah, plot in the sense that it follows Alexander Hamilton. Um, it's not, like, it's not narrated by him. In fact, yeah. it's not, I don't, th- I don't, I'm trying to recall, I don't believe it's narrated by anybody. Okay. I think, but um, it's certainly Hamilton centric, and it follows him from you know leaving Saint Croix to going to school, to like becoming George Washington's right hand man in the Revolution. Talk like talks about you know like how instrumental he was to like the colonies winning the Revolution against England, um, and then the second act of the play is all about well, mostly the a plot is. Hamilton, like, in his role in the newly formed government and how, like, he and Thomas Jefferson and um, James Madison and essentially everyone that was in George Washington started started playing this gross-ass political game that we know of today, right? Like, where things happen, where things happen behind closed doors and, like, deals are made and, like, you know, people, like, governing isn't done on behalf of the people anymore. It's, like, a personal interest. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> uh, Spoiler alert, maybe we can put a, a Hamilton spoiler on this episode. Um, <laughs> um, spoiler alert, uh, Hamilton, like, cheats on his wife. Um, and I think everyone did that back then, but the thing what that made this important was that he then got extorted by the family that of, like, of the woman that he was cheating on, like, demanding money from him or they would, like, tarnish his reputation. Mm, okay. Um, people would... Um, People found out, um, and he decided that he was going to get in front of it by writing something called the Reynolds pamphlet. Okay. And it's literally just, like, this, like, you know, a couple-page-long pamphlet, which he, like, admits to cheating, but also kind of paints himself to be the victim in the sense that he's like, I'm not going to let myself be taken advantage of or, like, you know, or um, extorted, all that shit. Um, And then he dies. <laughs> um and like you know his wife um continues like 
quote-unquote his legacy by doing things that he never expressed interest in but like did like his wife did like humanitarian shit after he died okay but um slavery is mentioned at a couple of points one of the in in the first act one of the major supporting characters his like they all kind of have their own like reasons why they want um revolution one of the major supporting characters whose name i can't remember was like his his shtick was like abolishing slavery and yeah. like hamilton like the, they never really like they never engaged in a discourse about that but it was like mentioned and like that's what he wants to do and like it was like you know made to seem noble or whatever yeah later on in the play hamilton then calls out thomas jefferson um for having slaves because they were talking about they were debating the creation of a federal bank mm-hmm. and um hamilton was like you know we should allow states to become um, to become states in this country with no debt, we should, like, as the federal government, assume it um, as, like, national debt. And Jefferson, who was pro-South, like, pro, you know, states' rights, was like, no, states, like, you know, other states shouldn't have to be responsible for the debt of other states. Um, but he was saying that largely motivated because the southern states didn't have much debt because they didn't pay anybody for labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Um, Hamilton mentions that as mm-hmm. like a, you know, like that's, a, it makes sense that you feel that way because none of you all, none of you pay people for your labor. Yeah. Um, and then at the very end, you know, the fucking, the, um, Eliza, his wife talks about the things she did after he died. And one of the things was like, she became an abolitionist. Okay. Um, and, and you know, that's like three very, very kind of sparse mentions over the course of a two and a half hour play. Yeah. But it seems like you are of the mindset of, like, if it doesn't, you know, if it's not part of the, the plot or if it doesn't really, like, seem relevant to the plot, then, like, why why kind of shoehorned it in? Well, this was one of my, like, I always get very annoyed by these criticisms when people have, for example, at SWAT, we would always have these, like, symposiums where people who wrote books would come and talk about their book, right? Give a book talk, Right. And then usually there'd be a Q&A session afterwards, right? And, you know, I think almost every time there would be somebody who would come up and their question would basically just be a thinly veiled critique of why didn't you talk about this important thing, right? It's like, (laughs) oh, I noticed that your, you know, analysis did not include any mention of Native people. Or trans people, or like the per- the gender perspective, or the or whatever, whatever X Y Z perspective, the race perspective, right? And that really bothers me because it asks, like, it puts the onus on academics to just do everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think you should be obligated to if you're studying, you know, it's like you can be a psychologist or an anthropologist who doesn't have an interest in X Y Z like lens. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I think that's totally legit, you know, but, th- you know, that would that would often come up as a criticism as like, oh, well, I don't find this analysis gender inclusive enough or race inclusive enough or whatever it is, you know. Right. And like, I just think that having standards like that, as I think is generally true for the broader kind of liberal cohort is is alienating to people. Right, because people can't reasonably expected to to reasonably be expected to do everything, right? 
you know? If, if Hamilton told the story, the holistic picture of what America looked like at that time, it would be an, an eight-hour play. Exactly, right? And, like, I do think it is unrealistic if, like, he had, enti- like, you know, see- like, if not a single slave was depicted at all in the play, in a play during which slaves were pretty, like, ubiquitous, then I would be like, this is a little suspicious. Right. But I don't think I don't think any slaves were depicted. Like there were no slave characters. Yeah. There was like a very, very, very like fleeting appearance of Sally, Thomas Jefferson's like, you know, like the slave that he like raped and, ha- and had babies with and all that. Yeah. Um, but it was like Thomas Jefferson being like, you know, like alluding s- to her. Not well, actually she, she doesn't show up. She, she was like like one of the ensemble, like the people that dance in the background. Mm-hmm. like hands thomas jefferson a letter and it's like he's like sally what is this and like she like he like reads it aloud like sally brought him a letter essentially all right um and that's the only depiction of like an enslaved person mm-hmm. um and 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 i will admit that like the that, like there is a certainly a lack of like a lack of presence of slavery in the play yeah um and I still don't know. I still kind of don't know where I fall on, like, you know, whether that's a misstep or, like, whether it's, like, you know, do we need to shoehorn this thing into every piece of media that we produce about colonialism, colonial America? Well, especially because I'm sure there's plenty of writers out there who would love to, you know, do a screenplay or write a book or whatever, right, um, about the Founding Fathers who, you know, arguably would not do a good job depicting slavery right yeah and i'm sure if you have that kind of self-awareness that you're in that camp you probably don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole right because we we know that right now people have very kind of high standards for how you do that kind of thing right right i can't tell if the fact that it's like you know a poc made musical that stars like you know mostly people with poc that like draws heavily from the influences of hip-hop and r&b like does i can't tell if that makes the lack of conversation like or the lack the lack of like you know acknowledgement of slavery in the play better or worse (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know like because presumably he made that artistic choice for some kind of like I don't know, uplifting reason, right? Yeah. I, I assume think... that, well, I mean, I'm sure it's partially because he just thought that, you know, people of color need to have more roles on Broadway. Yeah, which is true. For sure. Um, And also, I think it's like, I think it's, if I had to guess, it's like Lin-Manuel Miranda was like, I like Hamilton. I like hip hop. I, you know, am a POC. I know a lot of POC. And like, I'm in a position to create this like, you know, this new piece of art where, um, you know, this innovative-ass musical where, like, you know, I'm going to cast mostly POC. Yeah. I don't think, and, like, if I had to guess, I would guess that that's probably where his thinking stopped, right? Okay, yeah. You know, I don't, and I, he actually, um, he actually, like, addressed this in a tweet mm-hmm. um, on, I think, Monday, where, um essentially there is there's there's this other person who i don't really know her name is um tracy clayton i think she's like another playwright okay um and 
essentially she released a series of tweets saying um Hamil- like the Hamilton critiques are fair um Hamilton the play and the movie were given to us in two different worlds and our willingness to interrogate things in this way feels like like feels in of itself like a clear sign of change um she says she totally gets the frustration about it being a play about slaveholders that is not about slavery mm-hmm. I, f- I felt that in, um in lots of things that I watch I um but I flex the same muscle I use when I listen to hip-hop as a black woman uh as in we en- we enjoy problematic things all the time yeah um she said that she would have appreciated more more context about hamilton and slavery but to lump it in with statues of columbus and robert e lee denies this conversation the the nuance it deserves Mm -hmm. and we're capable of giving it that and then lin-manuel miranda responded saying appreciate you so much all all the criticisms are valid the sheer tonage of complexities and failings of these people i couldn't get or wrestled with but i or, or i wrestled with but ended up cutting it I took six years and fit as much as I could in a two and a half hour musical. Did my best. It's all fair game. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like every to- like every single topic we ever talk about, like it does seem like the right place is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I mean, yeah, I do think that like, you know, people are certainly, you know, can criticize it. And, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with the criticism but i also think that it would it would be so i think overwhelming to anybody who's trying to create art to have this expectation that they if they're if they're gonna touch on even you know a subject that's close to this you know any kind of social justice subject that they then have to be some kind of expert in that in the way that they depict it and they're obligated to include certain things right perhaps even retroactively because i think Mm -hmm. that what Tracy, the point that Tracy made of, like, Hamilton the play and the movie being released in two different worlds is really, really, like, salient, right? Yeah, worlds in terms of, like, now we're in the post, like, George Floyd world? Yeah, I mean, like, 2015, I'm trying to put myself back there, and I think it was, like, we were, like, in the throes of, like, Trayvon Martin and, and Mike Brown and yeah. Ferguson and things like that. Um, but, it, but certainly the conversation we were having was not nearly as nuanced as, as the conversation we're having now. No, it's not. Um, and I think that that counts for something. Yeah. And I think that we consume other, you know, problematic aspects of media, not blindly, but like with the ability to comment with it on nuance or like, you know, understand the context behind it. Yeah. I mean, I would say that when I see those types of criticisms, I'm just far more, um, I verge towards like, just like taking all those criticisms and like framing it in a positive way of saying okay let's have more why don't we just consume more media that focuses on this rather than saying oh like criticizing media that doesn't do that and saying oh like this story doesn't deserve to be told right because clearly it does because everyone fucking loves hamilton this is their (laughs) shit over hamilton right like people fucking love hamilton yeah and this brings me into another bit of another point which is like intent versus impact Mm -hmm. right I don't think, like, I think a lot of people are mad at the impact of, like, white people and their kids watching Hamilton and then, like, and, like, the thing that they get out of it is, like, wow, we love Alexander Hamilton, Mm -hmm. you know? But after watching the play, I don't think that that was, like, I don't think the intent is to make the viewer love Alexander Hamilton. Mm -hmm. I think think the intent is, like, to give a, a window into, like, Alexander Hamilton's story and show how he, as well as many of the other founding fathers were all like 
all like all did some dope shit, but were also all very, very deeply flawed characters. Yeah. Um, and made some really shitty choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you know, is but and I I, I kind of don't it, I don't think it's Hamilton's fault that people get a very over oversimplified message from it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but so this transfers over into um uh fourth of july right so i'm kicking it celebrating fourth of july i um text or like i snapchat a picture of um jello shots (laughs) to her friend and she's like she's like nope fourth of july is canceled this year we're not celebrating anything Mm -hmm. you know just like whatever some witty banter and i'd seen that and i'd seen that before on the internet Mm -hmm. and um, I guess, I don't know, I, I feel like I get why people feel that way, but at the same time, I do feel like it's, like, you know, I think it's possible to celebrate, like, the good things about this country and or just, like, have, like, have a reason to kick it with your friends and grill on a day. Um, but, and I'm guessing you feel the same way about that. <laughs> yeah, I do, basically, and I think that, like, you know, the notion that, like, we should all just descend in a, into cynicism is just so much like so much more terrible than the already <laughs> terrible world that we know we're living in right, right. like who wants to do that <laughs> like you know that's yeah. this is this is just to me very indicative of why it really sucks to be liberal because you're just surrounded by people who are like no you can't be happy why the fuck are you happy <laughs> you know <laughs> And like you should be depressed. Yeah, and like, and really, the, the narrative should be like, yeah, dude. I mean, be happy, but like, you know, think about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's the way I feel too. But damn, like, I'm like, I look at the stuff and I'm like, <laughs> am I a Republican? No, I'm not a Republican. <laughs> well, also, I literally think that you can, to me. The fact that we're even able to have this conversation without having the country explode is a testament to the good things about America, right? Yeah. The fact that we are able to reach a point at which there are, you know, cities that are defunding the police or abolishing the police or whatever is not a world that most people, like, in the world don't live in countries like that where they could reasonably ever see that happen. Yeah, and if you would have asked me, like, 10 years ago if I thought this could happen, I would have said no. Exactly. And so, like, I do think that there are, and this kind of goes back to our patriotism episode, is that, like, I really think that, like, the things that, you know, liberals are pushing for are things that, like, you know, it's just, you're so incredibly, like, in a different space than so many people in so many other countries that, like, that's totally worth celebrating. Mm -hmm. Because... Like, I don't think that any other country has been able to pull off diversity in the way that we have, because, like, I think a lot of other countries that that do have more, you know, policies that we admire tend to be more homogenous. I don't think any country is, like, more diverse than the U.S. and is handling that diversity better than we are. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Um, I was talking to this about somebody or with somebody recently, and they were like, they asked me to like produce stats and I couldn't off the top of my head. 
Produce stats about what? About, like, you know, America, A, being, like, more diverse than in any other country, and B, like, handling that diversity mm-hmm. better, given, like, you know, also taking into account, like, the, the relative youth of our country. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. So, you know, I'm not going to claim to, like, know that for a fact, but that's the, it does seem like that's the truth. I mean, the, I mean, it's, it's perverse because, like, yes, the reason why we're diverse is a product of, like, you know, really shitty imperialism, right? Mm -hmm. And it's perverse because almost all of the things, question mark, (laughs) that we celebrate are the results of some super shitty thing like imperialism, right? Yeah. Like, just, you know, the fact that we're able, that humanity is able to coordinate on the level of, like, you know, having a global currency or language that, like, you know, yeah, it's, all, people it's speak, all colonialism. It's all as a result of colonialism, right? But, yeah. like, it's also true, in my opinion, that the ability for human beings to coordinate is, like, part of why we're, you know, the dominant species. Right. And are able mm-hmm. to make the technological advances that we're able to make. And like, yeah, unfortunately, all of that is a product of imperialism. Yeah. And like, I think that we like I won't say I won't speak for you, but I think that we as progressives, as in me and other progressives, need to learn to be able to sit with that and like and, you know, like acknowledge the nuance. Right. And that like a really, really, really fucked up thing um like far down the line has created some dope things but we can you know that doesn't mean that the fucked up thing is justified yeah it's like really complicated right because like literally imperialism in a lot of places is what brought violence down right like the pax britannica right Mm -hmm. like it 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 actually reduced the suffering of many you know hundreds of thousands if not millions of people yeah and also like reduced the autonomy exactly right and like Mm. i think you could have a political theory like governance structure you know argument there of like you know that's always going to be the case if you want more coordination you have to give up autonomy right like this is the classic kind of like u.s libertarian stance versus the chinese kind of like you know more authoritarian stance right yeah it's also the plot of so many superhero movies yeah (laughs) like (laughs) like you know the villain wants to take over the world and like secure peace by like making everyone follow them mm-hmm. you know and if yeah. everyone follows one person then there, then there ideally should be no conflict totally yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so constant struggle of like you know how much autonomy are we feeling are we willing to give up to have peace mm-hmm. um and you know obviously we live in a in a really fucked up world right now where like people don't have a lot of autonomy don't have a lot of autonomy and don't have a lot of peace (laughs) like you know in america's case in particular covid is the exact perfect example of this of like you know china's able to handle covid because they have more authoritarianism and we're just not because people just we can't even we're not even enforcing that people stay in their homes or that people you know whatever like wear Wear masks masks. and stuff and they are still upset right yeah still railing against the government yeah, because, you know, it's a partisan issue. And, like, we're literally seeing, you know, we see literal, like, police chiefs and sheriffs being like, oh, no, we're not going to enforce it because we don't think it's true. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? <Yeah. laughs> you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and then all these people who are like, oh, like, you're infringing upon my rights when businesses don't let them in without a mask. But then, like, you know, I saw this tweet recently of like, oh, but what about those, like, you know, that baker that didn't want to sell a cake to this, like, gay couple? You thought that was, like, totally cool? (laughs) (laughs) Dude, people don't know what their rights are. Like, keeping it a thousand, like, like, (laughs) I think it's really important for everyone to understand like what what your exact rights are and your rights do not include being able to enter an establishment whilst breaking the rules like that's not that's not what your rights mean <laughs> it's like yeah maybe like the, this is like their private business <laughs> like they can pretty much have a rule about whatever they want if you if mm-hmm. you know they don't want to kick you off the premises they totally can dude one tweet that that i saw that i really resonated with with, with, was like it makes a lot of sense that a lot of people that have probably like never really felt what oppression feels like feels like this is oppression yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like people telling you what you can and can't do novel (laughs) (laughs) novel novel as fuck yeah um yeah i mean that's kind of all i had about that i i um have been thinking a lot about sort of where I land on the responsibility of media to like, you know, yeah, like shed light on problematic things where they exist. And I think that, you know, I I don't, especially if it's like something that's already been created, I don't think that it makes sense to call on um, like every media to tell all the stories at one time. Well, here's the thing. I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because by talking about it, you're signaling to people who create media that they this is what the people want, right? Yeah. And therefore, not even out of the goodness of their heart, but just because they know you're going to pay for it, there will be more people who are going to make that kind of media, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that is, I mean, that's what we've seen. Like, yeah. as in the years since Hamilton, mm-hmm. right, we've continued to see more kind of representation. And obviously, yeah. we have a long way to go, but... Um, but it's literally just like... It's not even like all these people just out of the goodness of their hearts. Just these executives waking up to the notion that people want to see movies with people of color and women in them. Yeah, and Shocking. people want like, yeah, and people want the stories of those people told <laughs> at the same yeah. rate that. So I think it's not even don't. like worthwhile thinking of the discussion as like, oh, should we criticize these people? Should we not? Should we ban this? Because like you know, at the end of the day, nobody really has any power to make the media do anything. It's literally just a signaling device, right? Yeah, yeah. Of, like, this is what the people want. Right. And all we can hope for is that, yeah, more, like, avenues are, are open for creators of color to do the things and make, and make media. Yeah. And, like, control what gets put on the air. Yeah. Because um, I do think that the even just, like, the, the forces at work right now, they're funneling more money into, you know, black-owned businesses and hopefully, you know, black media companies and just whatever generally companies that are owned by people who are more diverse is going to lead Mm. to that just you know organically happening yeah um but i also like i don't want to come off i don't want to make it seem like i don't support like you know like fair criticism of media because i definitely do i love to criticize things it's my favorite thing to do yeah um um but i think that yeah like like tracy clayton i think her name was like she was like she was alluding to like you can criticize things and have a nuanced conversation about them and still appreciate them for what they do offer whilst also acknowledging what they don't offer.
dude i how you know i don't know how many times i can ask you how COVID's going <laughs> um i'm trying to think of a good wrap-up question well i have been reading a lot of books recently mm. yeah i'm trying to I've, I've only actually read well not a lot recently i i Last year, I read like around 20, and I realized that as of this year, I'd only read three books, even though I have like way more time to be reading than I did last year. So I don't know why that's happening. Um, uh-huh. I just finished the book, The Clockmaker's Daughter. And... I've heard of that book before. Oh, you have? I feel like I'm, maybe I heard of it from you, but I know I've heard, I've heard someone say the name before. Oh, okay. Well, I thought it was like, Okay. <laughs> I've I've gotten to the point now where I like read books and expect them, and because I've read so many kind of like s- books that I consider to be like spectacular in uh-huh. like the last couple of years, now I have a really high standard. I'm trying to lower the standards again, <laughs> and just nice. be able to just casually read a book for fun, and that's what this was. So, oh man, I feel like I experienced a similar thing with music. Yeah, where I'm like, I'm like, I hear something that's really great, and it's like all I want to listen to, and it's hard for me to like hear something especially of the same genre if it's not of like as great of a caliber i'm like this is fine yeah <laughs> but, like i just want to listen to this other album that's really really good yeah um well if you heard anything you liked or you didn't like or you really really fuck with hamilton and you're mad that we critiqued it or you really hate hamilton and you're mad that we didn't destroy it let us know <laughs> <laughs> um you can find us at, at i'm the villain pod uh that is our gmail our instagram and our twitter Okay, bye. Bye. Cute pod. I like I like a tight little pod, a tight topical pod. <laughs>